Once again, it's the AR Podcast coming to you live from the Jersey Shore. It's Angelo Gingerelli from FifthMovement.com, my co host Rodney C from GardenStateHipHop.com. Rod, what's up, man? I'm cooling, man. We got a great guest. Dude, man, I can't. I've been listening to his music for the last couple of years. He's got a sick work ethic. He's putting out a ton of music, puts out, puts out three full length projects in a little bit over a year. Uh, can't wait to get in that with Fresco, who we'll bring up in a minute. But uh, before we move on, we wrapped up last episode by kind of doing our 2016 best worst of the year list. What are you looking forward to in 2017? I would say Off Top Migos, the Culture album. They got the number one song in the country, I believe, still with Bad and Bougie. You know, that's just taking the globe over. Um, and Big Sean, you know, those are probably the two I'm checking, I'm checking for most. I really like Living Single. Before that, I think he came out with no more interviews. I thought that was a really dope track. And then um, Bounce Back, he has a visual for that that's pretty solid. Yeah, and big on radio right now, too. Yeah. I also heard a rumor Eminem's going to be on that album in some capacity. I saw that, too. I think it's kind of interesting. That's a cool kind of kind of combination, Detroit connection. I thought they but they both murdered uh, Detroit versus everybody a couple years ago. So it would be cool to have them back together. What was that on, Slaughterhouse? No, it was on the soundtrack to Southpaw, if I remember correctly, the Jake Gyllenhaal boxing movie. Have you seen that? I didn't. It's a, it's an okay movie. It's, it's like a throwback to the 90s almost. It's, a, it's an okay movie with a great soundtrack. And that almost never happens anymore. Um, but they somehow did it in 2014 or 15 probably. Right, right. But uh, yeah, it's got all the shady guys on it. Yellow Wolf, uh, I think 50's on it. It's got... Dave Loaf is on Yeah, that, well that song was... If I remember correctly, M, Danny Brown, Royce, Big Sean, and then Dave Lope on the hook. It was like like an eight-minute opus of rapping yeah. that I remember at the end of it, I was just exhausted. Like, I couldn't I couldn't hear any more of them rhyming at that point. Um, but, yeah, definitely sick for the first couple of verses. Uh, for 2017, I agree. Big Sean's going to be big. Uh, Run the Jewels actually put out early on Christmas Day. It was supposed to come out January 13th. Super dope. It's uh, Killer Mike and LP, a gang for the third time in a row. Three times, definitely charm for those guys. And then Drake More Life is coming out early this year. Are you excited for that at all? I am. Um, from the things I've read, I think that's going to be more of like a uh, like a various artist type project. Not just him. I feel like it's going to be a lot of OVO cast on the album. It won't just be a Drizzy project. Do you think we're getting a Drake and J-Lo collabo? I don't know, man. She has some okay songs with rappers, right? She did one with The Lock. She did a couple with Ja Rule. And listen, you could laugh at me now. If they came on right now and we all had a couple of cocktails, you'd be like, it's murder. <laughs> like, don't, don't, her, her rap collabs are not that bad to me. Am I, am I, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I losing the room here, fellas? <laughs> if the ladies like it, I love it. Oh, who else are you going to put on there, probably? The Weeknd, you think he's going to do at least one with. Party Next Door, one with. Uh, McConan, probably one. No, nah, I think he's still on bad terms. Oh, they they fell out. I didn't I didn't know that. Fall out. I think that was about two years ago when he lost weight. Okay. Um, <laughs> another album. Uh, I'm not really a fan of this guy, but I saw him perform live at uh, Starland Ballroom. Uh, with Fab PNB Rock out of Philly. Okay. He's a dope artist, man, and I really liked his set. He's got a serious buzz in the streets, and I mean, he's he's got a nice little wave right now, you know. Between him and Lil Uzi coming out of Philly, you know, I, I think those guys are really putting on for their city. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. Nice. I, and I think Lil Uzi Vert is doing uh, Love is Rage Part 2. Is that is that happening this year? I believe so. Um, you excited about that one or not? 
Nah, I mean, it's, it's turned up music. It's not really for me, you know, but uh, I, I like a few of the tracks. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. I, I could get into into Uzi singles. Like I didn't do, I played Money Longer so much this summer. Uh, in the fall, I brought my one and a half year old daughter to a basketball game. You know, they play songs before the, the game actually starts. Right. She had no reaction to anything played in the arena. And when Money Longer came on, she stood up on her chair and started dancing. And I was like, I'm a horrible parent. Like, how is my daughter's favorite artist have Uzi in his name? I have to step my parenting game up a little bit. But uh, yeah, man, so I, I like that last little Uzi word a little bit. Uh, a couple other things supposedly coming out. Lupe Fiasco's got something coming out. Interested, not interested, had it with Lupe. What do you think? I mean, he's one of my favorite artists, but he's kind of like a sad story almost. You know, because uh, the, the tip Kendrick and Jake, J. Cole is on now, Lupe was trying to kick all that to us back in 06, 07, 08, and we weren't trying to listen to it. You know, so it's kind of like his lane, his wave was taken by other people. Yeah, absolutely. He kind of, I hate this word, but he kind of brought, brought conscious rap back to major labels after a long hiatus. He brought skateboarding to the game. He brought kind of dressing the way we dress now with tighter jeans and Nike SB dunks and that kind of stuff. You know, except for Pharrell, he was one of the first guys to really bring that out. And now it's like you, you look around the rap game and you look around pretty much any mall in suburban America and everybody dressed like Lupe Fiasco was 10 years ago and rhyming like he did 10 years ago. And just what he's putting out now just hasn't, it hasn't really spoke to me that much the last it's couple albums. Music, yeah. It's been great music. Oh, it's weird too that he went from being kind of like an industry darling where he had videos on MTV and big shows and big features to what he puts out now is he's kind of become like a one-man show. Like he's really not a lot. He's not getting love on MTV or those kind of big shows he got back when his first two albums came out. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's more of just him putting certain people on blast, you know, people in power. And, you know, you, you can't do that. You know, it's either they're going to blackball you. Well, I mean, that's kind of like what he, he, he's been blackballed. But I'm sure he's still making a living off of hip-hop because he's a talented artist. But you, you can't do stuff like that. Well, it's, it's two things. I think it's kind of like our guy Fred, or our guy Solo Fredolo said on the last episode that the music industry and success in this industry is almost 100% relationships and building those relationships. And you, can't burn, and you can't burn some of the bridges that Lupe has burned. And then the other thing is we, you can do it from another side of the game that it's a great time. Now, without those relationships, you have avenues and channels to release music and put it in your fans' hands and still sell merch, do shows, and make a living as somebody that's not getting the, the nod from the Illuminati, if you will, for lack of a better term. Um, other couple other albums. 2 Chainz is putting out something that is an undeniable truth, which is called Pretty Girls Love Trap Music, which I think we that's can all... That's what it's called. That's what I heard. Um, <laughs> and I think you can't deny that. That's not probably... That's I'm a, not even mad at him for that. That's a true thing. And uh, I really don't have too much more for 2017 I'm looking forward to, but I think that's more of the way the industry's going where artists like to drop albums kind of out of nowhere. They're not releasing, the, they're not putting those release dates up, say, a year ahead of time. It's just like, oh, here's a single, here's an album, go a couple days before. Because there's not too much, if you look online, there's not too much slated for this year that we haven't covered in the last you know, three or four minutes. I wanted to ask you this last week. Uh, well... What, two weeks ago when we shot the episode? Okay. Why do you think artists released albums knowing that they weren't going to make the Grammy cutoff? I don't know, man. I've mean, I got a, like a deer in headlights on that question. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. What, what do you think? I don't know. That's why I just yeah. asked you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, the only thing... Uh, I don't know, man. You put a lot, a lot of weight on my shoulders to answer this question. The only thing I could think of 
is kind of like a protest of we don't need the Grammys and the Grammys don't really get what we right, do right, anyway. Right, right, right. I think there's something to that. Like when we live in a world, and no disrespect to this guy, but where Macklemore wins multiple Grammys, right? And He's not independent. And th- th- correct, that is a lie. But he wins multiple Grammys and somebody like, I don't know, Schoolboy Q has never been nominated for a Grammy, or he might be this year, I don't even know. But like we could we could all without we can name a dozen guys we think are better than Macklemore that have never been near the Grammys. I think it does take a little bit away from that award and what kind of value it has. Right, right, I agree. Um, moving forward though, I want to get into this week Spotlight Artists. You know, you guys know that I run GardenStateHipHop.com. So this week I'm gonna um, shed light on my man Mir Fontaine out of South Jersey. He just inked a deal with 300 Entertainment. For the listeners, that's Todd Moskowitz, Leor Cohen, and Kevin Lyles. You know, big time stuff. So he pretty much got signed off the success of his mixtape, Who's Watching a Kid, and the track Down by the River. That song got over 200,000 streams on Spotify. You know, that's big time. So he inked the deal with them. He's got a new album coming out. He's been pushing a single hard. I posted a track yesterday on a site called Before the Locks. It's a nice, you know, reflection track about all the transitions he's making now. Excuse me, as his career begins to take off. He's a really dope artist. Shout out to his manager, John, who was a Garden State Hip Hop intern. Awesome, man. Where are those guys from, man? Um, are they are they Jersey guys, or are they... They're Jersey. They're okay. from, I want to say, Cherry Hill area. Okay, so kind of more like on the Philly side yeah, of things. Like on than the Philly side, like, he does a lot of shows in Philly, but he reps Jersey. Gotcha. Okay, fair. Makes, makes perfect sense. But he would say we'd be wearing like an Eagles jersey, not a Giants jersey. The NFL season wide. Okay. Um, all right, man. So I think definitely check those guys out if you get a chance doing big things. And then let's get into our guests. Rodney, you ready, man? I'm ready to go. We bring on, we run a, I figured we would do a bunch of episodes of these shows, get them up online, get a little following, and then be able to reach out to this dude to come on the show. But he was nice enough to come on our second episode. I've been listening to him steady, always in my phone since 2015 when he dropped Ill Individual. Let's give it up for my man, Fresco ITM. What's up, Fresco? Hey, man, it's great to have you on the show, get to know you a little bit, um, talk about your prolific output and kind of the varied styles and kinds of music you put out that I think caters to a lot of different crowds. But let's start at the beginning, man. Who is Fresco? When did you get in the game? When did you start rhyming? When did you become a fan? When did you become an artist? What's your, what's your artist bio for everybody at home? Uh, I think I, I first fell in love with hip-hop when um, I think my mom bought me a Criss Cross album. <laughs> You, did you did you wear your clothes backwards? Yeah. Oh, so you were a big fan. You were you were all in on crisscross. Yeah. Okay. Would you guys wait real quick? Would you guys say early '90s wearing your clothes backwards like crisscross is the the old version of sleeping outside and paying thousand dollars to get a pair of Yeezys now like that level of fandom? I guess I it's like so, dedicated. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Go ahead, man. So you had the crisscross album. You had your. The giant starter jacket on backwards, hood hood in the front, yeah. made no sense. What uh, what happened then? What happened after crisscross? Um, my mom, and my uncle were just always playing music in the house, so I just I just grew up listening to a lot of music. My uncle was like a big Nas, Jay Z, um, a Biggie fan, mostly like New York rappers. My mom was hip hop fan just as well, but like a little more R and B, and uh, just it was always playing in the house, so. I just naturally like developed like a love for it. What I uh, said, you, you know, grew up on New York hip hop. Where were you from? Where was that house you listened to the early Jay Z, Nas, Biggie records? Oh, uh, that was that was in Lakewood, but later in life I moved to Tom's River, and that's like 
that's where I'm from, basically. Your, your family came to their senses? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> My mom was like, yeah, you got to get out of here. <laughs> Fair enough, man. It's good parenting. So, you know, you grow up a hip-hop head. Do you, do you start doing, you know, ciphers and battles in high school? Do you wait a little later? When's, when's rhyming take over? When do you decide, all right, I'm a fan of Crisscross, Biggie, Nas. I want to try this myself. I want to make a single or release a mixtape or whatever it might be. Uh, I, I didn't really start, you know, rhyming for myself until I think I, I like, dabbled in it a little bit in high school because my friends were all rappers and I was just always around it. So, like, they'd be doing their little freestyles recording or whatever and i was just always in the room so i kind of caught the bug from them but i wasn't really like confident with it so i didn't really tell anyone about it okay wow. that's interesting because you know when i first listened to your music i said to myself wow this guy really knows how to write songs like you're a really good songwriter Thank you. you know so how, how did you develop how did you hone your skills as a songwriter um that's something i always strive for since day one because i knew i was like I want to be a good rapper, but at the end of the day, I got to make good songs. So I just, I don't know, I just, the love for music, I guess, just trying to emulate whatever I heard and try to, you know, set it up the same way. Mm -hmm. So what's like the creative process? Uh, for me, it, it all starts like with a beat. I find a beat that I really, like, I need this one. Mm -hmm. It just inspires me to want to just, you know what I mean? The ideas just start coming. First off, I usually start out with the hook and I just get like a, you know, basically like the layout, like the melody, I guess. And the theme that you that you want to go with? Honestly, when the words come, that's when the theme comes. Okay. So it's just, I just go melody, fill the words in, and then the theme comes and then I write the verses. Right. That's dope, man. Yeah, yeah man, I totally agree with Rodney on the songwriting stuff. And then uh, who are your biggest influences? I think if you listen to your body of work and what you put out so far, which I've said earlier, there's a ton of songs already. There's there's a lot of different styles been going on. So I always tell people I listen to Fresh Go, like who do you compare him to? It's kind of hard. I think you got some songs where I say he sounds he sounds kind of like he's influenced by say Jay Z and Nas, right? But then you got other stuff. I think it's more maybe Wish Khalifa, maybe more ASAP Rocky. I feel like there's definitely a little Wayne influence in some of your metaphors and similes. Um, you can tell me I'm wrong on that, but that's what I hear when I listen. But who are your big influences when you go to the studio or sit down to write a song? Um. My favorite artist is Jay-Z, hands down. So, Why is that? Uh, it's just, I don't know, I just, when I was younger, like, the Black album, I just fell in love with it. Like, I knew him before. Right. But, right. like, after that, it was just, like, this is my favorite artist. Okay. Okay, nice. Um, Lupe Fiasco was a big one. Uh, Am I? Off topic a little bit, but since you got three hip-hop heads in the room, do you guys feel when the top five dead or alive combo comes up or top ten rappers, do you guys think Fab gets left out of that a little more than he should? Because, go, go ahead, you do? Why Why do you say that? I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. It's like, I don't see how. He's, you know I mean, he's been consistent for... <laughs> 15 plus years, right? Never had a, doesn't maybe have classic albums, but has good albums, right? And if you need a 16 on a mixtape or a hot R&B track, who else would you call in Fabulous? Um, I do a thing in my, there's an uh, Instagram account called Up North Trips, and every day they post like this day in hip hop, whatever album came out in whatever year, right? So if I go run or I'm driving or whatever, I'll listen to that album that day just to kind of get a refresher or whatever. So on September 11th, this past September 11th was the 15th anniversary of Ghetto Fabulous, right? So I ended up listening to that from beginning to end while I was running. And uh, 
His his metaphors and similes and his wordplay is amazing. Like there's got to be forty metaphors for twenty inch rims on that album. That's incredible. Like you can say that's superficial and that doesn't matter in the world, but that that creativity and that writing is insanity to me. Rod, what do you feel about Fab? I think Fab is the epitome of like staying in your lane and sticking to your own yeah. formula. You know, we we yeah. haven't seen him do any records with any EDM artists. Right. You know, he hasn't chased any trends. He just stuck to his own personal formula. And I think that's the key to longevity in the business. You know, like I said, last summer I saw him at Starland. That was a sold-out show, you know? Yeah, yeah. and I feel like the people that, that get fabulous are fans like we are. And then kind of the other, the outside world of that, people that are kind of like vaguely aware of who he is, every time he pops up on a big radio record, they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's awesome. I love, I love Fabulous. And it also helps when you still look like you're like 27, 28 years old. I think he's like a 38, 39-year-old man, you know? So he still appeals to that younger demographic. Yeah, I'll tell you what. He stays in his lane musically perfectly. Just like you said, fashion-wise, he dresses like an 18-year-old all the time. He's and always... Media. And social media. He's figured out social... He's become a quote-unquote old head rapper without ever acting like an old head. And he's got this, cra- and he's got this crazy... He's got this great catalog... And he's entertaining on social media. And he's wearing the sweatshirt you're going to want next month or this month. He's ahead of the game. He's got the hottest sneakers. And he's an entertaining guy on Twitter. He's a pretty funny dude. Which if you listen to his rhymes, it kind of makes sense. But his, his kind of take on the world is funny. If he ever decides to stop rhyming, you could definitely see him doing either stand-up or a talk show or a podcast like Noriega does now. And being super entertaining at it. Yeah. You got your, Fresco, you're a Drink Champs fan? I've seen a few episodes. I like Noriega. Yeah, super entertaining, right? Yeah, he's just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, man. So those are your influences, right? When you go go into the studio, you start writing. Do you think I want to, you know, maybe all day I've been listening to Jay. I want to write a Jay Z type song, or do you purposely kind of lock out the outside world and just do do fresco when you're in the fresco zone? Yeah, definitely. I'm- I never once like try to go into it trying to sound like someone because you can't beat the original. Like it's, you know, what I mean, you're always gonna be chasing it. So I could take what I like from this artist or this artist and just mix it up and put my own spin on it and mm-hmm. just make my own thing. So when, when you're when you're, I think it's a great point. When you're doing your own thing, and we talked about your versatility a couple times already. What? Who are your producers? Who's your crew? Where do you get beats? How does that? How does that happen? About yeah. two, because those beats are hot. And before you answer, I'm sorry not to cut you no, off. It's like I'm listening to your music, and I'm like, damn, like yo, this dude really has it figured out because you're playing top forty type music. That's not a diss. It's like you know what people want to hear. Like you identify that, and we talked about your versatility before. So you know how to appeal to all these different audiences with your music. You know, so I mean that that's very impressive. Bro. Impressive, bro. Thank you. I- that's that's just me being a fan of like a bunch of different kind of music because mm-hmm. it's like if I like hearing it, I want to make it right. It's like you make what you like. What is your uh, beat beat selection process? Is there a producer you work with predominantly? Do you have a couple different producers you call on? Do you are you an online guy? How do you get how do you get your, your background track? Um, it's usually just online, just searching for like hours. Okay. And then from that, like, I, I've built relationships with, like, a few producers, like um, MKSB, this kid from California. He produced the whole Ill Division project. And that started from me working with him on a, the project before. Like, I sent him the song that I did. He's like, yo, this is dope. He's like, yo, take whatever you want. And now, you- now, how did he discover your music? SoundCloud? Um, 
forgot how we linked. I think it was on Twitter or something. We ended up like, I I, I think he hit me up or something. Just like, yo, check out my beats, like something like that. And I, I, I actually listened because you know, I'm always looking for beats. And I was like, yo, let me get this one. I paid him whatever. And when I was done with it, I sent it back to him. And he was like, yo, this is dope. And then it just built like a relationship from there. That's cool. Nice. What is, um, you, you throw it up a lot. You're wearing a hat that says you right now. We're nice enough to hook me and ride up with hats. This is ITM. What is ITM? Who is ITM? And what, uh, what are you guys' big plans for the next couple of years? Um, ITM is, it stands for ill the most. And like, ill, like sick, dope, whatever. Basically, it's just, I wanted to make like a group. Um, just not for people that make music, just for like everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, whatever you do, you can still be ITM. Like, basically, the whole thing behind it is just trying to be like the best at whatever it is. Like, iller than most. Like, iller than most that play basketball or whatever. You know what I mean? That's that's just really all it is. Just leveling up. Yeah, exactly. And w- when did you guys? When did you launch that? When did that start? Um, I was like shouting it out on like early tracks and stuff, but I didn't really get serious with it until. I say like after Copacetic, before Illivisual, around then. Okay. So I really started like pushing it more. Got you. Did the merchandise and the artwork and that kind of stuff really took off off the ground. Um, let's go through your catalog real quick and kind of hit on some some key releases stuff I really like. So you said you started rapping seriously in 2009, right? Started hitting the studio, started actually putting some stuff down. Um, and then pretty soon after that, 2012, you dropped Shorter Please. Shore was spelled S-H-O-R-E because you rep the Jersey Shore, obviously. Um, tell us some things, highlights from that project. What went into making that? Who'd you work with? Any features that stuck out in your mind? And what's your favorite track off that? Um, I started writing that. I was, in, I was actually down in school in Miami. And um, I was like, I was playing, I was trying to play football or whatever. Because that was like originally my first dream. Like I was like playing sports. My friends were the rappers. And then like I started to do it little by little just, as just a hobby. And then eventually, kind of took over my like, um, can't give it away, like my passion or whatever. So I was down in school just working on it, and then it just hit me. I was like, "Yo, this is what I want to do. Like, I don't want to do anything else." So I just started writing, collecting beats, put it all together. And it took a while for it to come out, but eventually it came out. I think like a year and a half later, something like that. How? Sorry. I'm sorry. What was the hardest part about that process? Um. I don't know. It was. You just, felt like you had everything laid out in your mind, and you just had to just buckle down and do it. I just I wanted to do a little bit of everything. I remember right. that was my mindset making that. So it was just collecting the beats, putting it all together. Um, honestly, the hardest part I guess would be like recording it and just getting everything done, finish how I wanted it. Because I remember going to the studio like three, four times for like one song, just to keep tweaking little stuff. Damn, that's dedication. <laughs> now, how long were you in Miami? How long was that? Okay, so three, four months basically. Yeah. Did Miami have any influence on your sound? Because that would have been late 2000s, right before 2010. It was fall 2010. Okay, so Miami was pretty hot then, right? Like Pitbull was all over the radio at that point. Rick Ross and Maybach yeah, News yeah. were still a big deal. Trick, Trick Daddy was kind of over. Trina was still around, right? You ever meet Trina? No. Okay, I was gonna ask you. I should I think look boss was starting to pick up. Yeah, yeah, I think Maybach. Yeah, Maybach. Maybach music had just kind of got off the ground, right? So did Miami have any on your sound at all, being there for a couple months? Um, I wouldn't say the sound, but just being in that environment definitely inspired me to, like, like I never really left, like, you know, the Tom's River area besides that. I can to a couple schools up here, but uh, 
Was it like culture shock going yeah, down? Yeah, exactly. I was like, holy shit. Like, what's all this? Yeah. I was like, damn. It just, I mean, just getting out of your own environment just opens your eyes to different things. Yeah, definitely. I'll tell you, I, uh, I lived in North Carolina for a couple of years. And as my whole life, I've never been a fan of what you call Dirty South music, right? This right. wasn't for me. But when you're in that environment and the way a club down there goes off, when David Banner or something like that, or Petey Pablo comes on, it's, it's, you almost can't explain it if you've never been there to experience that. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I get it. I get why, I get why this is a thing that maybe in Jersey it's not for us, but it's definitely a thing in maybe ATL, maybe Charlotte, maybe Raleigh, maybe Miami. It's a different environment. You know what I mean? Culture, yeah. It's more of a cultural thing, for sure. So, so, when it was, so uh, Shorter Please One comes out. You're back in Jersey. You're working with different producers, mainly you find online. And then the next year... 2013, Copacetic drops, right? And that's available up on, it's, is it on SoundCloud? Or is it, it's on SoundCloud. Is it on Spotify? Yeah, it's on Spotify. Okay. Um, Why the title Copacetic? Because at the time, that's how I felt. Uh, when I made Shorter Please 2, it was kind of like my introduction. I was like still trying to like show people that I could like, you know, rap and everything. Right. Copacetic, I didn't really have that same mind state. I felt more like relaxed, and I was just having fun making the music, so that's what I decided to call it. Gotcha. Nice, man. And then that took a, a year off in the middle, 14, probably did some side projects and production, yeah, stuff like that. Forming a lot at that point. Okay, great. So, so Copacetic was successful enough. You got, got shows off. They got your name out there. That's when I, when I, I'll tell you my story real quick of how I became aware of you and your music. We have a mutual friend who is a producer named Mike Scroy, great guy, produced a beat for me a while ago that I used at a show I was, I was running for over a year. And he posted about you on Instagram, and I saw his Instagram post. When I was at the Asbury Park Music Awards at the end of 2014, that was the first of three times I've been nominated and lost the Asbury Park Music Award for Best Stand-Up Comedian. Four times a charm. I'm telling you guys, I'm winning this year. 2017, I'm getting, bringing that trophy home. But uh, So I saw who you were. I listened to the first couple albums, became a fan. And then that summer, you dropped Summer Nights, which remind, for, to, to my knowledge is by the best Ocean County going from Tom's River to Seaside summer anthem I could think of. And it's got maybe my favorite rap lyric of the whole year when you said, make a left on 37, now we in Seaside. Because from my house to Seaside, I make a left on 37. And that hit me in the heart, man. Like, this, this guy's just like me. We're from the same neighborhood. And then about a month or two later, you dropped Ill Individual, which is my favorite way to get music, which is like a short album, not a lot of... You know, there's an intro, and then I think it's nine songs. Yeah, it's it's quick, but it, it you know it's, it's uh, short but powerful. It's not a I don't have listened to a double album in me anymore. I've got attention span. Just video games and and rap music ruined them, I guess. But uh, I thought that was one of one of the strongest projects that year. I write for a website called Popbreak.com. I had it in my top ten for the year. Um, so so what what how did that album work? You said you worked mainly with the producers from Cali, uh, but what else went into making that album? Uh, so yeah, like I said, uh, I linked up with that one producer, started getting a bunch of beats from him, and I, I noticed like at that time he he's he's a real versatile producer, but at that time he was making a lot of beats like sort of like we're in like the same vein. So I was like, yo, these are all dope. So I just started making the songs. I was like, this kind of sounds like a little project. Like I was gonna make an EP. It was only gonna be like five songs, but then I find like another song, another one, another beat, and it ended up being what eight or nine. Nine tracks. Yeah, I was just like, all right. I recommend that for all the listeners, too. Take some time out to listen to that project, man. It's great hip-hop music. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place to start on your catalog, and it, it worked perfectly to pull me into the rest of it. And then you, you could have rested on your laurels, kind of probably toured and done a bunch of shows off that because it definitely had traction. But then instead, you, in the beginning of 2016, you did Fresh Go Fridays. Tell us what that was exactly. 
was just again like I'm, I'm always looking for beats so I just came across some more beats that I like and uh, I think I was about halfway through it but I started to notice the beats that I found were like a little different so I was like these eight songs don't sound like these other ones so I was like I'm just gonna make these and just drop them like individually just have them be like their own thing Right, I think that was pretty effective too, because like you said, we're individual to me sounds like a cohesive EP or EP plus kind of thing. That's Those, thing. Yeah, every the structure of it, man, it was so on point. Like I, I was very impressed by that, bro. Thank you. Yeah. The uh, the Fresh Go Friday records are all dope in their own right, but don't necessarily all connect to the story arc the way individual did. But there's one track on there I want to talk to you about a lot. Um, it's called uh, Shine, right? And uh, it's kind of a yeah, it's a little bit of departure from most of your other music where it's, to me, a little more serious. talks about your, how growing up in Tom's River Boys and your friends and, and what that entails. So what kind of, what made you go that direction with that song? Did the beat inspire you? Were you just thinking about old times or what uh, what happened there? You had some vocal melodies on that too. Oh yeah, yeah although, this dude, this dude can sing. Yeah. This dude, this dude can sing. Yeah, man, it works. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was the beat. When I heard it, it just brought that emotion out of me. And I just started just going off feeling. Okay. How how you how you how the dude you grew up with and your family and stuff respond to that? I mean, I would assume they're pretty big fans. Like, how that how that go for you? Yeah, when when they heard it, they were they they played that out like crazy because they know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I was pretty much speaking for all of us. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah, threw the hood on your back and kind of repped for everybody. And then, uh, so that was March and April, I'm going to say, of 2016. And then you came right back in June of 2016 with Shorter Police 2. What, what was that project about? What was that process like? What did you hope to accomplish with that? I just felt like it was, it was time for a sequel to Shorter Police. And all the music just, it sounded like it was more cohesive than the, the Fresco Friday stuff. It all kind of fit better. And... It was, I, I kind of was trying to be more versatile again, like the first project, so it was like, this is perfect, let me just put this together, keep doing these songs, and then drop it around summertime, which is perfect. Yeah, I, th I think I think your last two releases, you timed the releases so well, as far as individual kind of sounding like a fall project, right? If you spit in the beats, you're a little more kind of traditional hip-hop beats. Laid back, beats, beats were smooth, and had like a jazzy... It, was, it, 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 it kind of made me feel like back to school, right? And then when you drop Shirt of Police 2, now it's it's summer turnoff time, right? That's where they, like, I feel like, you know, with Tom's River guys, if uh, if I'm going to listen to Ill Individual at the Ocean County Library, I'm going to listen to Shorter of Police 2 at 3 o'clock in the morning at Bamboo with the bouncer telling me it's time to pay my tab and get the hell home. And uh, I think, did you do that on purpose, make summer party records with Shorter of Police 2? It was just honestly what I was feeling at the moment. Okay. And I, and I knew, like, like you said, like the, the vibe of it was like this is more of like a spring summer type thing. So I was like, I, I got to make sure I put this out around that time. Gotcha. And as much as a as a party album as that is, pretty much from start to finish, there's a song in there called Gold that's about kind of working and grinding and, and, and getting yours, and starts with a great vocal sample of uh, who is that? Do you know off the top of your head who said that? Because it's a pretty it's a pretty common story. Yeah, I, but um, honestly, the producer already had that on. The okay. Cool. I think it obviously works pretty well. Yeah. But I think that that's a theme throughout a lot of your music. You have a lot of metaphors for work and saying you're, you're working and grinding. And I guess, I guess two things. Uh, what does that exactly mean? For somebody listening home that might be thinking about getting into this industry, what does... Because like you're working in this industry is different than working at a construction site or at a pizzeria. Right? It's a different kind of work. So explain that. And do you feel like too many guys at your level and even way more established artists 
kind of leave that out of the equation. They don't, we don't hear about enough how hard it is. This is way more than a nine to five job. And you're real open about that, which I really like. So go ahead and try to try to answer those two. Um, yeah, it's like you said, it's a, it's a different kind of work. Like if, if you're not, you know what I mean, working on the actual music, there's other parts like, you know, promotion or, you know, trying to get your merchandise together or trying to build relationships. It's like, it's, it's always something to do. So, and, you know what I mean? I mean, when you're a, independent artist you're kind of doing it all by yourself so it's like sometimes it gets overwhelming but you just gotta work through it right are you looking for a deal uh eventually but i don't want to you know i mean i'd rather have it so like i have more leverage you know what i'm saying so you want to have all your chips in order yeah you want to present like this is what i'm looking for Mm -hmm. can you match that exactly okay well i mean management deal or something would be fine but i don't know about the full out deal mm-hmm. now you said you do a lot of shows like how do you go about booking your shows and this is important for the listeners too and any other artists you know who want to book shows and get paid to perform i don't know if you're being paid to perform yet yeah i got paid um, a few times see that's good that's perfect exactly man that took forever yeah break that down for the listeners man you just honestly you just got to be willing to just perform like whether you get it through a, a friend or someone contacts you or you're reaching out to the venue or there might be a, a showcase you just like they usually put their contact info on the bottom of the flyer like it's not going to hurt you to, for you to reach out to them you know what i mean you never know what's going to happen you just got to constantly be on it and you never know how is the uh how's the live performance scene been treating this kind of a common thread on our show we talked through that there's a ton of talented i'm going to go ahead and use a word i hate again but urban artist in new jersey um, not a ton of shows out there, right? If you go to Asbury Park, go to Long right? there's a, a ton of rock stuff, a ton of singer-songwriter stuff, ton of DJs and dance stuff, not a ton of hip-hop stuff. How's that How's that scene been treating you? It's, you gotta find whatever you can, but honestly, like, most of my performances were, like, in the city, like, in New York, or up North Jersey a couple times. What venues in New York? I, honestly, I can't even remember all the names. You ever perform at SOBs? I never performed there, but I did. I did freestyle there. Okay. In front of uh, there was like some uh, what was it uh, it's like Jack and for Beats. It was like Jack Daniels. They were sponsoring the event. I know. Envy I know what there, you're talking uh, about. Drama was there. It was crazy. Okay. It was, it was pretty cool. Okay. Was that it recently in October? Um, no, it was. Oh, uh, was a while ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what what what's a venue you'd like to do at some point in your career? Is there one you got your eye on? Like if I could sell out blank, I'll feel like I made it or at least made it to the next level. Met life. Okay. Yes. Set setting that bar high. Any anything anything besides Met Life, anything a little smaller? Um uh, PNC, I guess. Okay. What about uh dream collaborations? Any if you would pick one producer to to do a beat for you and one rapper to rock with, who would you pick? You can give us a call, but you give us more than one. That's fine. Uh, Pharrell, definitely. You want to work with him? Um, Timberland, Joey, like. Okay, so some of the, we're talking best of all time. That's you wouldn't pick anybody. You wouldn't pick like Metro Boomer, oh, not yeah, somebody hot now. Okay, I wouldn't leave him out either. I'm a fan of him too. Okay, fair. And who would who would you want to rock on a track with? Who would you want to get on with? 
you think about that, I'll give you my answer. Whenever we ask people this, they always come up with, I want to be on track with Jay-Z or Big Pun if he was still alive. I feel like, do you really think you could hang with them? If you ask me that question, I've never rapped in my life. I'm picking Vanilla Ice. I'm picking Flowrider. I'm picking Skilo. I'm, I'm picking Macklemore. I'm picking somebody I could body on a track for my one dream collaboration. I mean, if, if you're going to shoot high, hopefully, like, at that point, whenever it happens, you're ready for it. Right. That's, that's a good call, yeah. As an artist, you got to... Anderson would be a good fit for him. Yes. Anderson Pock, definitely. Um, Cuddy, I like him a lot. You like the new album or not? Yeah, I liked it better than the one before. The one before, to me, was unlistenable. I couldn't even get through Speeding Bullet to Heaven. There's a couple of songs on there that I like. The new... Man, he... Kind of a lucky dude, and he went to to rehab and, and was institutionalized for a while for mental illness, and came out jacked. He said album cover. That dude's got a twelve pack now. At a new, I just had a normal year of working out, and eating healthy. And I don't look anything like that dude. So good, good for him, man. But I thought that, that album was pretty solid to end up the uh, end of two thousand sixteen. So I mean, you do a lot of shows. You know, your content, your music is high quality. How are you monetizing off this? You have your hat, so you're familiar with merchandise. How else have you been able to monetize off of hip hop? Um, the music sells, but you know it's not selling that great. I, like even though I'm, I was just thinking about that before, I'm like, I, do you get a decent percentage when you put your music on iTunes, Spotify? I think I saw that you're on Title now. Yeah, yeah. How does that work? You go through TuneCore? I uh, I go through CD Baby. Okay. So I think I get like ninety percent of it or something. Something like that. But yeah, like, it's not that much, but even still, to just say that, like, I make money off my music is just awesome. I'm just mm -hmm. thankful for that. Uh, I, yeah, the merchandise. I made some money off shows recently. Oh, that was pretty awesome. Usually. Jersey shows? Oh, uh, yeah. I did one at um, Game Changer. Okay. Which one was that? The Young M.A. show, or? No, nah, it was a Troy Ave one. Oh, Troy Ave? Yeah. How long ago was that? Last thing, right? Oh, okay. Good thing you got to do that when you did, because Troy Ave will not be doing shows anytime soon. <laughs> How was Troy Ave? Honestly, like, I didn't really chit-chat with him. I, 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 I've seen him at other, like, venues and other... I've been to, like, a house party where he was at in Brooklyn. Okay. He kind of had this, like, weird vibe. I didn't really want to... Real standoff? Yeah. Okay. I could see that. Not yeah, too, not that super too. surprised by that. Oh, kind of his whole whole aura would kind of give it off to you. Oh, I always say, man, as far as having fun making money at shows, is there anything better when you do a show and you had a ball, like you had a bananas fun night doing it, and then you get home and you reach in your pocket and there's money that you forgot you made because you had so much fun. And you're like, oh, wait, you're going to pay me to have this much fun? I'll do I'll do this eight nights a week. Let's go. Uh, that's, probably, that's probably my favorite thing about live shows is you get, oh, wow, I got paid for this. That's really, that's really fun, man. Um, so what, what do you got coming up next? What's your next next move in 2017? Um... I just been in the studio, man. Okay. Got, like tons of music I've been working on. Just you know, tweaking stuff here and there. Just constantly looking for new beats and everything. And uh, any ideas about how or when that's going to come out? Is it going to be an album? Is it going to be singles? Is it going to be a compilation? Is it going to be an IPM compilation? What's the next thing? That that's what I've been trying to figure out okay. how I want to present it. Because like, if if I get a bunch of songs that sound the same, I'm, I might do another project. If not, I'll, I might just drop a song here, a song there. I might just do an EP or something. Just whatever I feel at the moment, I'll just go with it and just trust myself. Are you on NASCAP? Uh, I think I'm on BMI. BMI? Because that's important, man. Because oh, the yeah, pin yeah. game is official. Definitely. You know, you definitely need to... I, I mean, I, I think you could be like a major ghostwriter. 
I, I want to be. The industry. I want to be. You know, just listening to the songs, like listeners, man, his his songs are like really good, man. He has great lyrics. His flow is on point, and the pen game is sharp. Like I'm no no bullshit. I'm not saying that because he's sitting here. Thanks, man. You know, Appreciate I mean, it. I, I'm keeping it 100. His pen game is sharp. Oh, that, that means a lot, honestly, because I, I I try to strive to be a good songwriter. Like when I first, you know, got into the music thing, that's one of my goals. Like I really care about making like a good song because I know like, the song. I mean, you last. hear it in the music, like um, just when you mentioned individual, the structure of it. That's something I thought of as I listened to it. Like the structure, that's so important, yo. Co cohesive projects, yeah. you know. And then it's just ten times better when the music is great, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Tell man. me more about um. I wanted to ask you about the artwork for me. You had the the crosses on your eyes. What's that about? What's the concept behind that? My my friend, shout out to I nine five. He he does all my uh my artwork and my art direction. It was honestly his idea. Was, oh okay. I, we had a bunch of pictures from like a photo shoot. And we we're like, oh, let's just make this, you know, like cool looking. Like, oh, I got an idea. Let me just do this. I was like, yeah, that works. And made made is a newer song you dropped, right? A little bit different for you, rhyming a little bit faster than you normally do, right? What what influenced that? What made that that made that track happen? The beat. Okay. So it's always everything starts it's with the beat. Just a rhythm for me. thing. Yeah. yeah. That's what I heard when I heard the beat. Now, how many times do you listen to the track before you you know you pick up your pen and you start jotting? It could be. Running back like ten times. It could be like a couple times. It could be like I might be stuck on just just listening to the beat for like a few days. It might mm -hmm. be in the first day. It's always different. Okay. What's in in your catalog? Give us one song that came to you right away. It was easy, and give us the, a tough one. One it was tough for you to grind out and and get a chorus or get a bar or whatever it might have been that made it hard for you, but you're happy about the way it finally came out. Summer nights came out pretty easy. Okay. Because it was just That's one of my going off memory. Too. You just talked about a night out in the summer. Yeah, it works. That came out pretty easy. Everybody can relate to that song, man. Definitely. Um, and then what would, be, would a tougher one say be something like a made say where the, the chorus, is the verse and chorus obviously fit together, but you're doing two radically yeah. different things. I would, you almost got to write two songs for that, right? And then make them work that's together right. somehow. Yeah, that, that's definitely a good one because, like you said, like the, the rapping was more rapid fire but then like the other song kind of like breaks down to like a different song but it's still the same yeah that's, I, did, I did that like way separately yeah not, not to be piggybacking on what Rod, what Rod just said but there's not too many artists at, at your level that I think do that that well kind of have an ear for lyrics and stuff guys like me and Roddy are like and then choruses and beats that our girls are like I think that's really I mean very yeah, important yeah absolutely because as much as I like say I don't know like Tech 9 that raps fast as hell all the time I can't play in the car with my wife and daughter. They don't hear any part of that, right? And as much as they want to hear Drake or, or something like that, singing, it's not always for me. But somebody like you, we could definitely ride out and play a project and get an end in a car ride. And neither one of us want to uh, date myself here, but rip the, rip the tape out of the deck and throw it out the window on the Garden State Parkway. Mm -hmm. Listen, Espresso has a track called Yesterday also. That's really tight. That's another one I enjoy by you as well. You want to get into that a little bit? Yeah, I'm, when I was making that one, I, the the chorus wise, I wanted to try something different, mm -hmm. and that melody was in my head. Like I said, I start with the melody, and then the words just go into place, mm -hmm. and then whatever the, the hook says, that's what the song's about. I just, right, right. Just go from there. 
Rod, I think we're uh, we're kind of running out of time with Fresh Graham. I'm sure he's a busy guy with things to do. I know I got stuff to do tonight. I'm assuming you do too. Um, what you got? Any any final thoughts here before we get a hot 16 and wrap up the night? I mean, you know, m much respect. You know, I listen to your music, you. and you know, I, I follow you. Another thing, why don't you follow anybody on social media? Um, I kind of like wiped all my social media clean, and then I wasn't really like using it for a while. Were, were you being were you were you being stalked? No. Were you being cyberbullied? I kind of just wanted to like reinvent. Like, I'm messing around, man. I realize. Right, right. <laughs> and then I just, I haven't really been like on them like that, but I'm I'm starting to use them more, and I'll sure. probably start following people like sometimes definitely soon. I just okay. So Fresco just said if you follow him on any social media, he will immediately follow you right back, and at least five of your followers. So get on that. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. I just. I feel like sometimes people like get too caught up in it, and I kind of was just like, I didn't. Uh, honestly, I'm not too big of a fan of like social media, but you need it to be an artist. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of why I was doing that. Fair enough, man. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, just keep doing your thing. You know, like I said, I, I really enjoy your music. You know, the pen game is sharp. You really understand. You 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 understand how how the game works from a song perspective and what will sell and what people want to listen to. That was something I was really impressed by because a lot of people don't get that. We have a lot of dope artists, but they can't write mm -hmm. songs. That's a stigma with battle rappers. Yeah. You know, you have you have that balance and you can reach so many different audiences. Thank so you, stick to that, man, and just, just keep hustling and find ways to capitalize on it from a, from a monetary standpoint, man. And I wish you the best. Thank you for coming out. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, Fresco, thanks again. Like I said, I listen to you on a weekly, if not daily basis. Big fan of all your projects. Really happy to meet you in person for the first time. I can't wait to rep the hell as ITM had you hooked me up with. Um, you ready to give us a hot 16 for the Real Rap Podcast with Rodney and Angelo? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see what you got, man. Yeah, yeah. Said I'm coming live and direct. Lame rappers, I sidestep. Haters hoping I digress. Ticks watching like Tom X. Why, yes, I think I'm probably the illest. Don't play games or scrimmage. Just take aim and kill it. Do what I want. Say what I mean. I'm the man with the method trying to master the cream. All them nights up wrestlers trying to capture the dream. Trying to whip a maroon five like Adam Levine. Yeah, well, it seems I got drive. Not satisfied till I'm unanimous top five. I'm Popeye, one up the spinach. Just no gimmicks. Just hot beats and cold lyrics. Can't stop me to flow endless. The blazing tongue, amazing one. Lucky pot of gold, I feel like I bathed in one. Cereal for dinner, them the kind of days I'm from. So anybody want a verse, got to pay for one. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> there we go. There it is. Fresco, ITM, one of Jersey's finest rappers, MCs, singers, songwriters. Definitely going to be a star in this game. Rodney, how you want to wrap it up tonight? I mean, peace, love, and hip-hop, man. You know, thank you to the listeners. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep it rolling. You know, more great interviews with some great artists from the Jersey Shore and throughout the city of New Jersey. Thanks again to Fresco. Thanks again to my co-host, Rodney C. from Garden State Hip-Hop. I am Angelo Gingerelli from FifthRoundMovement.com. We'll see you on the next episode.